0: welcome to another episode of Gaming from the First Age. I'm First Age, not really, and I'm here to talk bobbins about, well, tabletop role-playing games, as usual. Yeah, welcome. So this is hard on the heels of my previous podcast, so it's a bit, it's a bit sudden. A bit, is it is it too soon? I don't know. Maybe it is. But I've been listening to podcasts from Jason from the Nerd Varieties podcast, or Nerd Varieties cast, I think it's called. Great podcast. I've Put it in the show notes a few times. I'll put it in again. And I've been following in particular the discussion on Rule Zero. What it is. Is it a good thing? How do we use it? What's it, what's its place in, in different rules? Really interesting set of conversations. And so this zero-sum game is me looking at Rule Zero and working out, is it is it adversarial? Is it about winners and losers? Um, no, no, it's not, by the way. And what is it? And trying to give my you know you know my sort of great wisdom my great 40 years of wisdom on what rule 0 actually is and without wishing to provide spoilers for the main segment of this podcast what a complete failure that was really messed that one up but enjoy enjoy me fumbling about for rule 0 i can't find it because i think it's so nothing that it's hidden And I just, I just, you know, um, my passive perception that tells you everything you need to know about my wisdom is so low that I just failed. But I like to think it's a glorious failure and hopefully it's a sufficiently entertaining glorious failure for you to have a listen. It's coming soon. But meantime, and on the way in, I've got a couple of nice call-ins from Che Webster from Roleplay Rescue and again from Jason from Nerd Varieties Cast. Over to Che. Hey there, first age. It's Che from Roleplay Rescue. Uh, just responding, really, and uh, let you know I'd listened to Breaking Out of a Good Thing. And thanks very much for the episode. It's interesting to listen. I um, I guess that I, I, the thing that I wanted to reflect back to you is that, you know, very much my desire is to get into long form gaming. And prior to like COVID, that was not happening because, well, really, we were playing around a gaming table with a very small group of people who. Yeah, like you said, could never really settle on what we wanted to do. I think that the invent, advent sorry, of like using Zoom and things like that to do gaming has really widened my net. And so it's becoming a real possibility. Um, but yeah, the itchy feet, I get all of that. I understand that feeling. And um, yeah, it's interesting hearing you ruminate. But if I'm honest, I would strongly suggest that you stick with those long-term games because, man, I would love, really love to have that game on. Jay! Thank you for calling. Um, uh, brilliant. Um, yeah, no, thank you very much for your calling and thank you for your system fluid episode. Um, as, as you can tell, <laughs> well, it certainly made me think uh, and I really got thinking. In fact, you know, there's a whole podcast worth there, but you know, behind that obviously was me sort of just ruminating and thinking. But do you know what? Do you know what? After I did, after I did the podcast, I went off to Paizo's website I downloaded the next bit of the Adventure Path that we're playing out at the moment. Um, And the great thing about um, Foundry, as a virtual tabletop, is is that you can take a purchased, a a legally purchased copy, um, obviously, of uh, the Paizo Adventure Path, and there's a script which basically scrapes it and places the assets that are effectively in the PDF straight into Foundry. So it, it provides you with pictures of the of, of the characters and you know, um the maps, uh and um segments of text which you which you know are gonna be useful to share. That all goes in. So, you know, it doesn't half help your your prep, but you know what? That's another that's another big block. So I've kind of re I think sort of inspired, I think inspired by the thinking that came as a consequence of your podcast and maybe even a little bit with your it was quite funny actually this all happened prior to your call in, and i thought yeah jay you're right um you're right again um so i've yeah i've sort of recommitted to um continue the pathfinder more than a year in play now uh for some more obviously i checked in on the players You, you sort of do that don't you there's this well i'll come back to imposter syndrome um, but there is this feeling well, i don't know what i'm doing i mean you know but actually it's rubbish people keep coming back so um they're all really enjoying the pathfinder and i've got another i've got a new player who's joined which is lovely and i've got another new player who's joining so the roster is actually building out slightly to five which i think is a good number uh, it means we're going to more sustainably be able to play weekly as well so there you are <laughs> there you are i'm back in there'll be more there'll be more about the excitement of running uh, long-form gaming I, I want to talk more about it because um, it, it appears to be it appears to be what I'm doing and the second thing um, that happened and this happened only today uh, at that at time of recording so uh, when when is today it's um, Sunday the 8th of August so uh, uh, 2021, by the way, if you're if you're if you're looking back in the annals of time, um, yeah, RPG a day. Now, I, I maybe there's some discussion around RPG, RPG a day. Uh, it's back with us uh, in the month of August, and I have actually engaged with it. Um, I, I sort of wasn't going to, and then I just I, I the way I thought about it, I thought, well, each response to each day's RPG a day topic is probably about a tweet's worth. I haven't got any more time than that. And I, to be honest, I can't be bothered any more than that. But actually, that's been great because I've I've picked up the main theme of each of the days and, and put in a, a tweet. Uh, I've thought about it a little bit and then I've put in a tweet and uh, had some nice responses. And yeah, that's my way of engaging with it. So I did that. today. Today's theme was stream and obviously i mean and there were there were two sub themes um i can't remember what they were yeah two sub themes i'm i'm going for the main theme every time although i think i am dropping in and thinking about this this or sort of sub themes so stream what did i go with well i have streamed before i have streamed games online i was thinking about that aspect of it which which probably is what prompted the uh, the main theme and something that i've kind of had an ambition to do is to do a not a massively long-form game, but maybe a a mid-form game. And for me, a mid-form game would be something succinct. um, It's kind of got a beginning, middle and end for the characters. And in this case, I'm looking at around about a 10-session game. For me, that's... I think I'm going to call that mid-form. For me, short-form is probably three sessions uh, or one shot, which is one. So mid-form, 10 sessions. It's sort of a manageable commitment you're not committing to, you know, years of play. You're just committing to 10 fairly intense straight in hardcore sessions to get a story through. Um probably you know what it's like. You know, you sort of meet the players and that's it. Um I've got War of Everlasting Darkness, which is uh, an encounters series for 4th edition. Um I can't remember when it was published, but obviously it was during the public you know, the sort of, sort of published years. Of fourth edition, so that puts you in the sort of two thousand and eight two thousand and twelve bracket uh and it's ten sessions it's ten sessions, which builds up on a story it's forgotten realms, it's you know post spell plague forgotten realms I haven't got forgotten realms fourth edition, and i haven't I don't know much about the spell plague other than, Ooh, we've done the game different, so let's let's try and explain it in game narrative, which was a bit of a mistake, I think, but anyway, ten session game, and I put in my tweet. Uh, you know, I'd love to stream fourth edition Dungeons & Dragons, um, but really it's finding the players that are happy to do that. Um, Of course, my mistake was putting that out publicly. I've now got got players. (laughs) I've got players who say, yeah, actually, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, You know, um, don't expect, you know, um, I don't know, don't expect um, great, you know, Oscar acting. um, If you're happy just for me to be a gamer and play a game, and by the way, yes, I am, that's all I'm after. Um, Uh, great. Um, I'm not looking necessarily for accents and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm just looking for great play and and people enjoying enjoying the game because I wanted to do something as part of the fourth edition Renaissance. And I guess actual play is really what I'm about. I'm about actually playing the game, which is why I'm running a fourth edition campaign at the moment. Um, So yeah, so who knows? Maybe, Maybe if I can somehow manage it. I'm gonna have my fourth edition campaign, long running, more than six months. We've got the Pathfinder second edition campaign, it's more than a year of play. Uh, and it looks like we're in for another. Uh, and maybe a ten, maybe a ten session or if I can get my act together and overcome my imposter syndrome. That what am I what am I doing streaming a game? Who am I? You know, and uh, will anyone like it? I think people will enjoy seeing people playing fourth edition, seeing the game in action, um, and that's part of what I want to do with 4 e is get kind of get it out out there and let people and remind people what a fantastic game it actually is. Anyway, that's a long that's a long reply to to you Jay, but I guess what all I'm really saying is thanks a bunch.
1: Hey Jason here. I'll try to give you a quick call this time. Enjoyed the episode. Interesting thoughts. Yeah, I you know I've done a recent series over with Arlen Walker over on my podcast, and it spilled over to a couple others, mainly about Rule Zero, the old D D, the old concept of the game master and change the rules as they needed as they want to or need to. But yeah, more and more, I think having some sort of safety rules makes sense in any group. To be fair, an existing group probably has safety rules; they may not call them that, and they might not be codified per se. But I bet you any group that's been long running has ways of communicating to each other that, you know, they're not comfortable with something, you would hope. Uh, but it, it doesn't hurt to to say it out loud, right? So as far as True 20, I have not gotten to it yet. It's on my agenda still. And the Space Master game has not happened until Barry's current game finishes up. As far as the breakaway game, I, I have to admit, I, although I backed a bunch of Kickstarters and have a bunch of systems, my breakaway tends to be a default to Barbarians of Lamoria, a game I very much love, and is different enough from any kind of d20-based game that it, it scratches that itch. So, Barbarians of Lamoria is my breakaway game if I'm going to do it, and the system's flexible enough has been adapted to all genres, provided you want to play a heroic game, you know. So, I I think it does what I need for that. If, if I'm running a game, although you know I'm always looking, so you never know. Um, Savage Worlds is another one that we've been playing a lot lately that I've been really enjoying. But Barbarians of Moria is my go-to breakaway game as a DM. Anyway, great episode. I look forward to your next one. Take care, my friend.
0: Hey Jason, thank you for the call in. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, rule zero. I I get to it as th- in this podcast. I feel this podcast is me just sort of airing my views on that. Um, and I fail. It, it, it's my first failure. I, I, I see it as a failure. I, 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 I don't think I managed to get my hands around rule zero. Maybe because it's it's it, it's nothing, because it's a zero. I don't know. I really don't know. But I failed. But but I was really. Um, I really wanted to get my my arms around it, partly by listening to your podcast, which I've been really enjoying. I've I've largely caught up, well, I haven't. I'm sort of, I don't know, I'm somewhere in the mid-30s, so I'm not far off. Um, But I I very much have enjoyed your podcasts on Rule Zero. Um, The safety tools thing, yeah, I think think you're probably right um, about how, you know, really well-established groups, as in people who are really well-established with each other, have just through you know just through being close uh, understand each other pretty well and the sort of risks that take place that the safety tools are there to try and help help you with um, are probably lessened and I think that's probably fair and true. I think this is probably the moment where I need to come out a little bit, and um, I say that um, I I you know I I mean I. I kind of joked about it once with my family and I said, you know, I I I think I might be a little bit autistic. Uh, And they all just looked at me and they just said, "What you think? So (laughs) I think I'm kind of somewhere, somewhere on, you know, we're all somewhere, aren't we? (laughs) I think I'm somewhere. And I think maybe having things spelled out a little bit is partly something about me. And so maybe on, in in my table, um, having lines and veils, having maybe the X card in some kind of way, just there, is something that helps me because of who I am as a DM, and because I I kind of maybe don't pick up on the cues quite so well. Um, I'm not too. I mean, I'm not awful, but, I, but there's something there about me, and so I need them as a DM to help support my players. As much as giving the players tools to express themselves it's 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 probably it's probably filling a gap in me actually, and that's something i hadn't really thought about before, but sort of I guess talking with you from a distance <laughs> a little bit and asynchronously um it did make me wonder about that dimension about um safety tools and me, so there you go, something else about me um. Not a surprise to anyone who knows me, I think. (laughs) But there we are. That's great. And as for your breakout games, what fantastic breakout games you've got. Um, They're great choices, aren't they? Um, Pick up, play, fairly ubiquitous in terms of what they can cover. You're not not held back at all. But as a breakout game, Barbarians of of Lemuria, for example, um, I've had such great fun running it and playing it. So, uh, yeah, go you. So anyway, thanks, thanks, Jason, and thanks for the, particularly for the your recent episodes which I've been really enjoying, um, and slightly heart in mouth actually towards the end of the, the, those 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 real zero conversations, and I missed all the Discord stuff, but I'm not going to say too much more about that, more in a moment later in the podcast. Cheers and thanks again. Well, I guess uh, later in the podcast, actually is just a anchor Jupiter transition away because it's now so this is this is my response to some of the discussions on rule zero and about what it is and it became it became a little contentious i think in places on some of the some of the podcast discussions that have happened kind of around me and that's kind of fair enough i i tried really hard to to add something to the discussion and what you're about to hear is my my go at that, I suppose. And you know, it's it's, it's a reasonable attempt. And I I I, I, pro- I probably still give my view, but it's not it's not going to move a discussion on, and it's probably not going to move anyone's opinion one way or the other about either what Rule Zero really kind of is, what the sort of impact Rule Zero actually has, and whether it's a good or a bad thing. You know, it, it won't move anybody. But I had uh, I had fun thinking about it, you know. I had fun considering it and I had fun putting out putting out the message about it. So I suppose just take it for what it is. I think if nothing else, if you take nothing else from this segment, watch me fumble as I try to <laughs> as I try to get my hands around it and consider the the position of rule 0 in tabletop fantasy role playing. Have a listen to see how I get on. <laughs> so on to the discussion about rule zero it's not a discussion actually and i'm probably least qualified to actually even comment on it but i was listening intently to a number of jason's nerds rpg variety cast podcasts where rule zero gets a really good airing there and they talk about what it is what it isn't uh, what it achieves what it doesn't achieve And I'm not on some of the Discord chats that are surrounding that conversation, so I've missed all that. But missing things appears to increasingly be one of the core features of my podcast. I just wasn't there. So Rule Zero, is a zero-sum game? Something or nothing? Do we have winners and losers, really, due to it? Probably not. Um, And I, I was listening to the discussion on Rule Zero, and there were... Ultimately, various definitions in the discussion, a little lack of clarity, I think that's inevitable, about what it is and maybe the problem that the rule zero is actually trying to address. So, just to sort of recap, and I'm going to have to say, possibly recap inaccurately, uh, what is it? What is this rule zero? Well, it's said to be a rule that is embedded early in the hobby, it predates the hobby. it it comes in in sort of early Kriegspiel and war games but essentially Rule Zero kind of says is well the rules meh you know the DM particularly the DM can basically do whatever they like with the rules and can change them if they wish because ultimately it's their game you know and they're the arbiters so they'll obviously be changing it ideally for the good perhaps to better realise the game that they want to play and that's going to happen that just is going to happen so so it's okay, and it's okay to do that. I think is the key thing. And then, having done rule zero and set it up right, now here's rules, you know, number one to a thousand or one to ten, if you're playing certain games. So you know, it's it's there at the front to say, yeah, we're going to give you a lot of rules, but ultimately there's going to be flexibility around your table. Uh, situations will arise that the rules haven't really addressed, um, and so putting in something that gives you a structure where you can. Expand, retract, add in rules, uh, change the way that rules work is entirely fine. And and just don't sweat it. Um, That's what it's about. And I thought, that's interesting. And that's that's one way of looking at it. But in, in the discussion, it was looked at, I think, in other ways as well. So there was some question about rule zero versus session zero. Do you set up and use a session zero to talk about, well, what effectively is a series of house rules? That you've you know constructed your game differently, so you might be playing fifth edition, but actually you're going to be putting in the following great you know things that have appeared in Pathfinder second edition, and you want to retrofit them in uh, to to make the fifth edition more what you like, or you know you're going to be playing fifth edition, but you aren't going to be having any magic classes or whatever the thing is. So there's something around the setting, there's something around the rules. Set it up early. Tell your players early in, in session zero. I would argue actually that's like the game pitch. It's not even session zero. That's kind of giving you a feel for what it's going to be about, and you can make a decision whether you want to get in. Now, Session Zero, fine. There's a piece about that in terms of understanding what the game is, starting to think about who your characters are and how you interact with a particular game. But I I suppose I see, personally, I see Session Zero being more about the social contracts in the game. Uh, ...an opportunity to do the lines and veils... ...and yeah, I don't really care if they're all your good mates... ...you'd probably still do not... ...probably still worth just checking lines and veils... ...and some safety tooling... ...and talking a little bit about what you want to get out of the game... ...some of the meta stuff around the game... ...you know, even things like, you know... Uh, ...increasingly I appreciate this... ...how long is it going to be? What sort of investment in time is it that you're looking for? Yeah, are, you, are you doing a, a sharp... ...is it sharp, sort of 10 sessions? You know, is it a sharp 10 sessions... Or, in fact, by investing in playing in this game, I've got two years of game time. And increasingly, with the stuff I'm playing, that is that is the question. You know, I'm playing the Curse of Strahd, um, Curse of Strahd even. And that's going to take a couple of years of play. I probably didn't realise when I started that that's how long it was going to take. So I'm now invested in that, and that's kind of fine. But the sessions... I'm, do you know, it's so long ago. Maybe it was discussed in Session Zero, and I've actually forgotten. But whatever it is, you know, but those sorts of questions, it's worth it's worth it's worth getting out on Session Zero. But is that really Rule Zero? Well, if it's about house ruling, it's in there. But I think it's more than that. A lot of discussion in the chat, in um, Jason's podcast, and I'm sure in other revolving and other podcasts is about Rule Zero as opposed to rulings over rules. And you have to remember my background is I missed, I mean, I played AD&D first edition, so obviously we had rulings over rules because the rules were, AD&D first edition, oh my goodness, what can I say about it? It was a lot of fun. Didn't always make a lot of sense, but it was a lot of fun. And so we did put rulings in, partly because sometimes we couldn't frankly find the rule in the books because they weren't perhaps very very well laid out. But there's also something about some of the rules just weren't either really there at all. We were fumbling for some something to actually adjudicate some things or the rules just weren't very good in our view. We were coming from other perspectives because we'd started to play other games and realised that AD&D 1E kind of had a place, a, a great place in our gaming library, but, oh boy... Yeah, anyway. So, Rule Zero, what is it and and where does it where does it come in? Is it a D and D thing? And clearly no it's not. It appears apparently in CNS, it appears in RuneQuest, it appears in others, where it kinda of says, you know, if you want to change the rules around to improve your game, then yeah, good on you. So I thought well that's interesting, I took a look for it in fourth edition which is the, initial, the edition I know well. And it does amuse me that in all the discussions about other editions, they talk about, you know, you know second edition, you know, maybe original D&D, they talk about maybe BX, they talk about OSC, they talk about third edition, 3.5, they even sort of drop into like improved 3.5 Pathfinder. And then they talk about fifth. <laughs> Just like, sort of, well, of course, it's, it, it's part of that zeitgeist that fourth edition wasn't really D&D. But of course it was. So, But 4th edition is the version I know well, so I thought, well, Rule Zero, this sort of messing around with or changing rules, presumably that's in there. Well, I couldn't find it. Not really. Now, now I'm told that there is discussion about Rule Zero a little bit in the postings around the 4th edition, when the 4th edition was was in its publishing years, you know, sort of 2008, 2012, 2013. But they've, I mean, whatever, what has been posted, and some people may have records, I've now been 404'd anyway by Wizards of the Coast, so it, it's kind of gone. But anyway, I don't really see it in the books, and I've got a lot of the books, so there is a chance I've missed it. So if it's in 4th edition, fine, but I think what I'm hearing is is that if it was there, it was kind of relaxed, and the, and there is actually to my mind and i'll come to this a good reason why rule zero was relaxed in fourth edition apparently the dmg sort of towards the back end of the dmg the dungeon master's guide in in fourth edition does talk about house rules how you can change your rules create your own house rules to meet the liking of the group and so that's fine there's kind of that feeling of a consensus rule building and changing and that's kind of cool so you've got this idea that you can change the rules in fourth edition but it's it's kind of it's kind of very much a consensual piece and that's actually backed up by what it is said sort of up front because i would expect something like rule zero to appear well frankly at the beginning because it's kind of saying before we laden you or perhaps you know sprinkle you with some rules you know here's here's the base principle that you don't have to worry about them too much and you can sort and change them as you like. Just just create the game that you want to create out of what we're about to give you. So I looked early on in the Dungeon Masters Guide in Fourth Edition, and I'm gonna quote you the section that I think, and it is early on, gets closest to rule zero for fourth edition. Okay, so I am now quoting. You ready? Okay, here we go. Sometimes this role. I think that means the dungeon master's role i'm just quoting out of context slightly. so sometimes this role mediating the rules means that a dm has to enforce the rules on the players if a player tells you i want to charge up here and attack the orc you might have to say mm, no you can't charge to there it's too far then the player takes this new information and comes up with a different plan now that's not really quite what we're talking about rule zero here this is about explaining the situation clearly and being clear about the situation to give the player enough information to be able to make a judgment on play but i'll 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 go on with with the next couple of sort of brief sections remember though being the dm doesn't mean you have to know all the rules if a player tries something you, you you don't know how to adjudicate ask the opinion of the players as a group it might take a few minutes, but it's usually possible to hash out an answer that seems fair. Okay, that's cl- that's closing in on rulings versus uh, sort rulings over rules, isn't it? Now you might argue there that well, um, yeah, yeah, you're not going to know all the rules of fourth edition, are you? Because there's too many of them. That's an argument. I have to say I'm doing pretty well by, <laughs> at sort of actually absorbing the core structures, the core framework of 4th edition. But I kind of get what you mean. I'm just recently playing some OSE. That's lovely. It's beautiful. It's really light. It certainly evokes some of the earlier um, play, and it creates a different style. So that's more about, I guess, rulings on the fly and being able to apply something... But do it again. But again, in a fairly consensual kind of way. And I think this is the fourth edition thing. And again, I'll I'll come on to. I might come on to the bit where I think why I think this is the case. It's arguable. It's all arguable, anyway. So there's something about rulings over rules, even in four E, where there are rules because you won't necessarily remember them all. So that's kind of quite nice, anyway. So it's. I I don't know if rulings over rules is an OSR thing, because I don't know what the OSR is anyway, and I'm not going there. Maybe a different podcast, (laughs) I might try it. Anyway, so let me quote on, let me quote on. Some DMs fear that asking their players opinions will undermine their authority and give rise to claims that they are being unfair. On the contrary, most players like it when the DM asks their opinions, and they're more likely to feel that the results are fair when they can give their opinions, so there's there's a the thing about using the framework of the rules but applying it flexibly, particularly if you're not sure, but also asking for opinions. I mean, the, and that's very much a 4E thing. It seems to be just let's just get out on the table. Let's stop. Let's have a chat. Let's agree. Let's move on. Now, if you're doing that like continually, then that says a couple of things. One is is that you don't know the game well enough. And maybe you're not sure how to apply the game because you're a little bit inexperienced. So there's a bit of that. But what it's saying is that's okay. It's okay. Because I think, you know, 4E for me seems to be, and I don't have the history of D&D very much. I played AD&D 1E back in the 80s for a few years and that was it. But 4E feels to me very much like a game that is set to encourage new new DMs, and probably all all the D&Ds are, but it seems very much up front in the text I'm reading anyway. For 4E, um, what 4E does have is a great section on table rules, and I thought, oh great, table rules, here we are, these are sort of some rule zeros, or uh, an opportunity to talk about rule zero. No, no, it's not about that at all. The table rules are very much about the social contract which is fantastic. They don't talk about safety tools because they weren't kind of invented or up front at this time. But actually what this, what, what the um, table rules are is about how are we gonna play? How are we gonna play together? You know? What is the consensus on, you know, um, breaks, on out of out of character chats and so on. That's, can we just be up front about what we're trying to achieve with the game? And that's right there in the dungeon master's guide and i've said before the fourth edition dungeon master's guide is resplendent with great advice regardless of the edition that you're playing it really is very good so that's 4e so i didn't really find this sort of rule zero thing very strongly expressed in 4e and it's i think more bluntly expressed in other editions which is which is kind of fine so then i got to speculate well, okay, if we're struggling to understand what it is, we're kind of are kind of revolving around different things. That's the setup of the game, the kind of the session zero piece. There's the rulings over rules piece, which, frankly, I think permeates any game. Uh, and and it certainly, uh, to my mind, from what I've just quoted, is very clearly expressed in 4E, which you might think is the last set of TMD that you would expect to see there. But there it is. And so I started to get playful, and that's dangerous. And this is an upbeat podcast, so you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not looking to have a go at any particular version of the game. But I wondered if the size of rule zero then, okay, is increased in importance in a complementary fashion with the half assed vagueness of the rule set you're using. So if your rule set doesn't mention swathes of things that are gonna come up in play. And frankly, I'd be a little bit surprised But if that that is the case. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying, is that the case? I don't know. But at that point, well, clearly you're going to need to apply something. And Rule Zero will will, will come out a little bit more frequently and of necessity and applied. And something needs to be put in place so that players can sort of feel that there's a, a game underpinning what they're doing. There was a lot of talk, I think, in in the podcast, in Jason's podcasts that I've been listening to, about consistency of the application of a particular ruling, I suppose, um, or a or a or a or a rule zero, or a change to the rules, because um, I think rule zero is more about changing the rules rather than applying rules. So maybe rule zero isn't what I'm looking at. Maybe it's the case that rulings are more important if you've got a very much cut down set that doesn't want to give you a lot of rules. It wants to be expressed in, you know, 100 pages, and the whole game is there. And there's a lot to be said for that. Maybe it's more about that, but maybe that's not about rule zero either. You see, I'm still fumbling for what it is, and that's because I don't, I, I've not got the history. So maybe it's about rule gaps, and maybe zero is rulings, and they function together. But I, I, I do tend to think that most games actually do cover what they need to in some kind of form, I'd I'd take um I'd take the black hack. Or I literally I'd just played just one session of old school essentials recently. And they had attribute checks in there as well. They I think they put them in. There's, there's been a bit of discussion in the game about whether they're in, whether they're out. Did they apply in earlier D and D's? Again, I'm sorry, I d I do don't know. But they, they, they put them in and so we were playing using them and suddenly OSC I thought, oh, that feels a bit black hack. <laughs> you know, that um and of course an attribute check And you might have an interpretive layer over that but actually basically that gives you a framework to apply to pretty much anything or at least a large swathe of activity in the game they just they just do don't they and they can do that within a few pages it only takes a few pages to say well here are all the attribute checks and this is what they cover and in a couple of pages you cover a large swathe of what adventurers are going to do in your game So I don't buy that comprehensive rules means that you're going to have mountainous tomes of rules. I think, and I probably don't buy into the idea that if you're wanting as comprehensive as possible a set, that you're also necessarily a simulationist either. Instead, what I think is that you can have clever frameworks. And if you've got a clever framework, it makes it fairly obvious how to apply the game in pretty much any situation. Because you've got a really nice framework and it's been set up... That it gives you just enough to do what you need to do in the game, but to a good structure. Now, 4th Edition, of course, I talk a lot about 4th Edition. 4th Edition, clearly, has got lots of rules. (laughs) You know, it's not a small one. And I guess along with a lot of things with 4th Edition, it has a skill system, which covers, again, a huge swathe of activity. And pretty much, if if you're not sure what to do, um, it's probably in a skill somewhere. And it has skill challenges, of course, which provides you with a framework in which to undertake a massive wide range of things. So if it's not in the skill and it's not in the skill challenge, then, well, okay, you've got significant numbers of words on combat encounters because, well, again, I would say, and I've said this so many times, if you look at the weight of rule discussion in virtually any version of D&D, interestingly and unsurprisingly, I suppose, the vast weight of rule discussions is in combat. And why is that? Because that's what Dungeons & Dragons is, to one extent or another, about. It's about going into dungeons, slaying dragons and getting treasure. Um, increasingly, of course, D&D isn't about that. <laughs> I and mean, increasingly, in many of the games of D&D, it doesn't have any of those things. So is it still D&D? Blah, blah. blah. Another another podcast. But certainly, as a focus of the game, combat has, has largely always been there. Okay, it's come out of Chainmail, it's come out of Wargaming... So, yes, it is. So, in that sense, 4th edition is no different. I'm perhaps pushing it, aren't I, just as slightly, because 4th edition is quite combat encounter-centric, and you've got pages and pages in the player's handbook, in the player's handbooks, plural, of combat encounter powers. And so the focus is, is clearly very much there. But across the skill system... application of the skill system and uh, through skill challenges and obviously your combat powers you've got such a lot to go out there that you know you're pretty much set and covered with rules it has underlying assumptions that underpin you know the action of the table and i'd say enough ground to cover verisimilitude for the participants in the game It just has some more tools and I feel more explicitly described and explained and and designated. And that's something about 4E that I see as a strength and plenty of people see as a weakness. (laughs) So so there we are. And the reason I see, I mean, in in short, and again, I have probably said this before, the reason I like the clarity and the breadth of the framework that you get in 4th edition is that it very specifically removes what I'll call the DM beard stroking. You know, the, oh I don't know, so I am God. I am the DM, I am the God, it's my game. Uh, and I, I I now get to make an, uh, a, an arbitrary decision on this part of the game. Uh, of course, if you're a great DM, you'll make a fantastic ruling. You know, because you know what you're doing. Because you've done it a few times before, and you are... Well, there's then something about, are you an adversarial DM? Are you a neutral DM? Are you a DM on the side of the players? And there's lots of DM styles. And in fact, the DM guide, I'll go back to the fourth edition DM guide, talks about the style of DM that you are. It's got lots of good things in there. Do have a look at it if you haven't. But there is something there, isn't there, about DM beard stroking. And I guess what fourth edition is doing, it's saying is, no, 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 you don't need to do that. It's okay, you're fine, you're fine the rules will tell you what to do here. And in fact, they will do it in such a way that it's clear to everybody at the table. Why? Well, actually in fourth edition's probably terms. Why? Because you can see it on the grid. (laughs) Um, Of course, you don't need a grid with fourth edition, but yeah, you kind of do. I'm playing fifth edition on the grid as well. Uh, And so there you are. Uh, But so it's all very, very clear. And so really for most situations, there is that transparency in the mechanics. What I believe is is it takes away that, that that need for the DM to be the beardstroker or the, um, the arbiter. The rules are the arbiter. What the DM presents is situations and the world around the players. And what the players do is they interact with the rules to realise their stories. And they can focus on that. They don't have to worry about is there going to be a particular ruling in one way or the other because the rules will tell them. And in fact everyone shares the rules which probably takes us back to the table rulings thing in 4E, which focuses more on the social contract. They don't have to worry about almost... I mean, they talk about house ruling. It's in there. But the rules are kind of there. They just kind of work. So that's quite interesting. And as you can probably tell, uh, I probably prefer rules over rulings. Yeah, I probably do. Or I prefer really succinctly and well-expressed rule frameworks that are applicable to the broadest of situations anyway am i afraid of rulings no not at all of course not do i do i feel the need for rulings well not not generally um but there will be times when i do but if i've got a really great set of rules and there's plenty of them and there's plenty of the ds that are i'm sure not that i know them applying a ruling is easy because you've got the framework to build it off so you're not going completely off piste but so, so I think when you have to use a ruling, it can be grounded in a, in a, in a solid rule set that fundamentally helps shape how that ruling should go. It doesn't help with rule zero, though. I'm still struggling with rule zero. Rulings, interesting, you know. Uh, session zero, fine. Rule zero, yeah, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. But kind of don't. <laughs> and as I've said often, you know, a ruling is just a pragmatic application of a well-grounded rule in a way that is sympathetic to its purpose. So I guess I guess I do prefer rules over rulings because it increases the independence of the arbitration uh, and actually lets the focus be somewhere else. So I haven't answered the rule zero question. But, you know, never mind. And, you know, while I'm here, and I suppose as I meander to a uh, failed conclusion, uh, it's beholden upon me to, so I suppose, look at Pathfinder 2. I'm only looking there because that's the other major game that I am playing And Pathfinder 2 doesn't have Rule 0. It has Rule 1. Oh yes, because, well, it's Pathfinder, isn't it? Let me just um, grab the book. I've got it here. The first rule, in fact, it says here. Um, This is page 7. This is, in fact, the first page of Chapter 1, though, in the Pathfinder 2nd Edition core book. The first rule of Pathfinder is that this game is yours. Use it to tell the stories you want to tell, be the character you want to be, and share exciting adventures with friends. If any other rule gets in the way of your fun, as long as your group agrees, you can alter or ignore it to fit your story. The true goal of Pathfinder is for everyone to enjoy themselves. Now, if that's what rule zero is, in this case rule one... I can't see anybody not getting behind it, which is too many negatives. But what I'm saying is, it's a good thing. And we can all agree that it's a good thing. So I wonder if the discussion on Rule Zero isn't really about Rule Zero. It's what it touches on around authority at the table. It touches on the apparent disconnect between the role of the dungeon master and maybe the players... And what those those things actually mean where is the power in the game and maybe it's it's not so much about moving rules around question mark is that for the dm to do yes it is but that can be you know undertaken in a context that everyone can get behind especially if it's written in a way that says this is all about fun and if you want all to have fun let's just work on the rules a little bit to make sure that they do and that Again, that feels like a little bit of an upfront kind of activity. Again, that looks at sort of the pitch, the session zero kind of a time for this. And that's that's kind of fine. And, and who's going to argue about that if it's upfront and you know? So I think it's a bit about power. Maybe it's a little bit about this sense of arbitrary decisions by quote-unquote, you know, power-crazed DMs. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, you know... Kind of, kind of can see that, but but is that a thing? And if it is a thing, then you walk away. Or actually, you know, it's just that's just about being in, an inadequate DM, frankly. Well, or an, an inadequate person, perhaps, but certainly an in, an inadequate DM because you're not really applying the rules to create that fun at the table. So, so why do that? So it's perhaps touching on worry. It's touching on power. But the idea that the rules themselves may need to be not broken but maybe changed simply to create the right fun at that particular table isn't particularly contentious. And if you have the advantage of having a game, a set of game rules that are comprehensive, that are well integrated, that they are extremely well put together, then and they mostly they don't need fiddling around with. The thing that will change them more will be the kind of story you want to tell and maybe the setting in which you have that story. And that might effectively curtail and blend and change the rules to enable that to happen. Again, I can't see anyone really kind of getting too worked up about that. So I come back to why did there feel to be, to me, some contention in the discussion around what is essentially an enabling feature To get the best out of the rules to get the best out of the game experience for everybody at the table and i can't see that it's actually rule zero itself there's something about it's only the dm there's something about the arbitrary nature of it there's something about the power systems around a table that can be potentially abused but i think that's oversold is what i'm saying i haven't gone through my collection and I could have done that for you, and maybe maybe a, maybe a supplementary, I'll, I'll do a quick check of some others. But, you know, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, I think, if you're going to state the rule, and okay, state it as rule 1, because Pathfinder 2 has to be different, doesn't it? States it pretty well. Again, Pathfinder, like 4E, all of that is consensus-driven. I'm quite happy for a DM just to sit up and say, this is my game, these are my rules, these are my house rules, this is, this is how it's going to function, uh, are you in? Fine, I'm a bit like that. So, you know, I'm all for that. But be upfront about it and you know, and obviously don't 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 be an unpleasant person. And I guess I think that's where some of the contention and worry is in in the discussion and not actually about Rule Zero itself. I think mostly I've just got a bit lost, haven't I? What a ramble. I think this is one of more one of my more classic rambles actually and so am i talking more about rulings over rules maybe i have been actually and that's partly because i haven't been able to quite pin down why why rule zero is such a big deal because i don't i don't actually think it is i think i'm calm about it i think inevitably frankly even with 4e you know you're going to make some rulings that's okay you're going to make the game your own of course you are that's okay Maybe you'll do a lot of that discussion up front just so you're managing the expectations of your players before they start to play. That's okay. Are you going to arbitrarily bend and break rules in an adversarial way to mess up the players' plans? That's probably not okay. But then, you know, I guess I kind of feel that if you're that kind of DM, it's going to leak out in lots of other ways as well. And you ain't going to get many players because I wouldn't play with you. I'd soon get, I'd, I'd, I'd keep looking at the rules and saying, can you just like, we've got some rules here, can we like use them? I'd like to actually play the game rather than play your power trip or pay, play your rather, to be honest, poorly expressed version of the rules. Can we just, just play the rules as written? Or the rules that we've agreed we're going to play somewhere up in session zero. And that maybe is where rule zero lives. I think people made a distinction between rule zero and um, session zero, but I feel the whole thing got rather blended, and I'm still circling around it, thinking, eh, eh is it a thing? Well, I suppose it's it, it got people riled up, clearly on the podcast. But I'm I'm struggling a bit with it, really. I think you know, yeah, just a struggle. So there we are. Some some I suppose ramblings about rule zero. Maybe something more about rulings and rules. I, I guess I kind of like rules hey, I'm playing 4th edition and I'm playing Pathfinder 2nd edition. Who knew? But, you know, I've got my own game, which is Tripod, which is a highly narrative dice pool game. It doesn't have many rules, I can tell you that. But it has the most generous framework that kind of says everything can happen within this framework. So maybe, actually, Tripod, my own game, uh, or wordplay as it was known, is the ultimate rulings. Everything is a ruling based on a framework, but it does have a framework. It isn't just arbitrary, but then I don't think that's what rule zero says either. So again, it's a slippery thing. It's a slippery thing. I can't quite get hold of it. Yeah. Okay. I think it will do for that section. I don't think I've helped. (laughs) I do not think I've helped. Never mind. It It was a good, it was a valiant effort. Move on. Well, that's it for another episode. I kind of wasn't expecting this episode. I think missing things and not expecting things are, are two features of this podcast. But I guess I got caught up in the conversation about Rule Zero without really understanding it. I think that's probably clear from this podcast. But I thought I'd have a go at working out what it was about and how it applies to me. And I guess I've done that. So in, so in some ways, that's fine. yes. Rule zero has its place. It's an opportunity to remind you that the rules are there to facilitate and make fun at the table. And that's really it. Uh, And as long as they're doing that, and they're doing it in a way that contributes to the game, because rules do matter, then fantastic. But don't be a slave to them. Um, But do it in a way that is consensual that builds fun around the table because that's what you're all looking for. And in my experience, that's particularly what DMs are looking for. They really want fun around their table because kind of it reflects a little bit on them as DMs. So, yeah, and indeed any sort of games master. So there we are. So maybe I've touched on it a little bit. And I, as I say, I probably haven't moved the conversation on, but I've had a chance to think about it and maybe talk about it more soon. Hope you're all well and, um, you know, you are... Well, in in the UK, we're moving out of lockdown, but it's still a rocky road, I think, and we don't quite know how this is going to play out. Um, My convention furnace that I run is going to be face-to-face in October. It's not so far away now, so we're keeping a weather eye on what's going on with regard to the coronavirus. But we hope to have some face-to-face gaming coming soon which will be really, really nice. And for now, I'll leave it there. I will talk soon about what's going on in gaming in my world and the things that I have reflected upon as I discover a bit about maybe your world. Do come in and say hello. I'll leave some contacts in the show notes just so you can get in touch and look forward to talking to you very soon. Take care and good gaming.